Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Wow, you guys writing in are giving us harder and harder questions for the car debate. I picked two yeah, inadvertently, and they're really you're not hard. Around anymore. Have yeah. you noticed this? I, I'm looking yeah. at this <laughs> going. Ooh. You, you sent the sheet over tonight, like, yeah, I got a sheet filled up for tonight. And we both looked at it with, where did this come from? Yeah, an These Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So One of you sent a... him the Excel spreadsheet of everything you'd driven. It was 250 cars. I couldn't okay. believe it. Okay, well, if you've, if you've excluded those 250, what five are left? <laughs> anyway, go on. Neil, this is uh, we're talking about you. This is your spreadsheet that you sent to us. Neil is a tall guy. He's as tall as we are, six foot three. And did you notice his family is also pretty tall? He has a seven-year-old that's almost five feet tall. You know yes. that? His... Yes, and I thought of my six-year-old oh my son and thought, okay, let's hope he doesn't grow that fast. But anyway, yes. Unbelievable. What are you feeding him, Neil? This is unbelievable. So Neil's in California. <laughs> he's got this long list of stuff and a couple of twists here. So he's looking for either one car as a kind of do-it-all that will fit his gigantic basketball team of a family. And then yes, exactly. uh, and then maybe he wants you know more of just a beige you know, get your daily dosage of beige and then have a fun weekend car. So that is uh, – that's really twisting my head. So um, mm -hmm. curious to talk about that. But we've also got Ben. He's in the UK and he's a mechanic. He is 21. He is uh, – wow, he's got a baby on the way and he's recently yep. engaged. So he's kind of thinking, all right, I'm stepping up into adulthood here and – car guy but thinking about kind of but what do i do yeah getting yeah. away from the boy racer kind of thing but still he wants to feed the car guy part of himself so i am excited to talk about that but uh mm -hmm. he's a mechanic be cool. so he could work on his own cars though which is cool uh, you would you would hope so yes i like that um yeah, yeah well I, I agree that is going to be cool i'm glad you're writing in from the uk we will try to tackle that even though obviously we'll probably get a few things wrong but uh but we love that you guys are listening from literally the entire world. Thank you. If you haven't rated the podcast, if you haven't shared it yet, please do that because that is helping keep us in the top 10 for automotive, yeah. which is awesome. And speaking of people commenting from other countries, uh, you know, we just released our FRS in the snow piece, and apparently the entire country of Canada has decided they should respond. Canada weighed um, in uh, on this on this piece. Seriously, seriously, <laughs> and, and, and the general and the general consensus from Canada is, well, wait, that's not a snowstorm. And, and I would like to clarify real quickly. The, the 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 point of that piece was not look at how much snow we got. That was not the point. We've had worse. We've had worse snowstorms than we got on camera that just didn't make it on camera. Yeah. It's not look at our huge snowstorm. It's look at our rear wheel drive in the snow. Although I find so it funny, people were pointing that out. I mean, you know, they're waiting for it. I mean, we're in the snow, but they're waiting for like the gigantic blizzard of the century that we have to drive a Scion through and. Well, it didn't happen, yeah, but, but it's still good look, snow. I'm not, I'm, it is, and I'm not making up the description. I mean, the description, the morning that I happened to shoot uh, my part of it, 
I did get up and I checked the description of what was going on over the past. Because I thought, hey, it's snowing. Probably a good morning for me to to record this piece. And I looked and the description was uh, four-wheel drives or cars with chains only. And, of course, I don't have either one. That was the actual highway description of what was necessary. And then that was the same morning that I saw that guy up on a berm. I mean, he all but launched his car. Yeah. And an, eight, an 18-wheeler sliding backwards down the hill on the freeway. So... Look, I'm not claiming this is storm of the century, but I am saying here's a rear-wheel drive car driving around in the snow on a morning when a lot of other people can't seem to figure it out. And that was the point. What's great is so many of you have liked that piece. I think discussion-wise, it's one of our most discussed pieces, which is really, really cool. People are weighing in all over the place. Yeah. We have to talk about tires, which apparently has become our niche. Just talk about tires. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's been a really fun piece. But I'm laughing at the number of people that are like, let us show you snow. This was not a weatherman description of this is what a blizzard looks like, people. It was about the car. Hello, everyday driver. That's what we're doing. And it was not a contest either. I mean, I, I, I'm actually oh, yeah. surprised by how many people weighed in and just said, oh, that's not a, either Wisconsin or, or Canada or wherever it is, you know, places that do get a bunch of snow. I love oh. that. I love that you're writing in and saying I'm doing yeah. the very same thing in – crazy conditions and that was just kind of the point is to see well absolutely we got absolutely. the car over the summer and we're talking about it all mm -hmm. through the fall going all right i think we're gonna do this yeah we know tires i think it'll work should be fine yep and then here yep. we are finally had a, a chance to put everything together and uh and compose the piece and that was fun um well i also like the fact that a lot of people chimed in and, and i and i in a roundabout way i was like you're trying to critique what we did, but you've actually defended. Where people were like, "Well, I've driven my, I've driven my FRS or BRZ in far worse snowstorms than that." At which point, I'm like, "Yeah, great. This great. exactly proves awesome. the point. Yep. It's not about how cool the snow is; it's about the fact that the car works." But anyway, so thank you so much for watching that, for sharing it. I mean, that piece has actually—I I, got to be honest—that was one of those pieces that I thought a few people will watch this and like it, and it has far exceeded my expectations anything that i had about how people would respond to it you, you have just loved talking about it so thank you please keep doing so we love that uh but boy was that a twist and it also was funny that it released <laughs> I, if i don't i think it was the day after toyota announced oh by the way we're killing the scion brand yeah then here comes everyday driver with we have a scion and we're trying to kill it in the snow apparently so uh, yeah that was a good uh, a good matching of time oh, and maybe, the thing is you know maybe your car's a collector item now you know, maybe it's well. That, that's uh, the question. What happens to those cyans? They're either going to be, hey, it's interesting and, and unique, and it'll it'll hang on to value. Though what I expect will happen is they will drop even faster. I, I mean, this car yeah. it should have been a GT86 Toyota from the beginning. It now will be a GT86 Toyota if they keep it. I mean, Scion's official comment was we're going to keep everything, almost everything in our lineup. And I'll be honest with you, I. Look, I I love the car. I do. I hope there's a generation two, but they're struggling under the reality of when you make a focus sports car, very few people will actually buy it. It just they're, mm -hmm. they're niche cars, and I will be really surprised. <laughs> I I'm hoping against hope, but I'll be really surprised if the the GT86 twins triplets, whatever you want to call them, if those cars get a second gen. I hope they do, but I'll be a little shocked. And I feel like as the Scion brand gets absorbed into Toyota. I'd love that car to continue and be a GT86. I am not holding my breath. So we'll see. We'll see. There's another funny part to this, uh, all the comments on here, to this piece. And that was the fact that you and I weren't wearing coats. And I thought, I, I'd mentioned that yeah. to you when we, we stripped down. And yes, it was cold. 
We're going, all right, well, we're both on camera and, you know, we've got to be in our, you know, our uniform, our T-shirts here. Yeah, of course. But also, it's a little tiny car and it heats up uh-huh. really fast. And yeah. big puffy coats would have been just – we would have been the Michelin man inside the car. And, well, we, we had – we got him with layers. coats and we put them behind each of our, each of our uh, <laughs> seats. In fact, you can see your blue one hanging out behind you yeah. in that, in that uh, thing. I mean that was the thing about it. The, as funny as it is, of course, the FRS does not have the heated seats. And when I originally got it, I thought, huh, I'd kind of like to have those heated seats until I had my first time to turn the heater on. Oh, yeah. And the cabin is, is such a fraction so of the fast. size – of that, uh, it's funny that you noticed that too. It's such a fraction of the size of the 92X that I had before, which was just this cavernous, you know, with a lot of glass, that you can you can bake yourself right out of the Scion FRS. So yeah, the fact that we're sitting there in t-shirts was just. I mean, we what we did is when it was you and I together, we actually took the time. We we drove a couple errands first and got the car heated up, and then took off yeah. jackets and did the piece, and it was plenty warm. But you're right, there is another part of it where it's like, why are you in t-shirts? And I kept thinking, I that okay, was funny. not. Not the point. Not the point. But anyway, <laughs> hey, thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. We actually love it. Uh, we should try to do a car debate, should we, for uh, for Neil and his – look, th- this was, you mentioned it already. We, we Neil should. is writing. He has – he daily drives a Ford Focus ST that he really, really likes except for the fact his whole family is tall enough, his boys are growing fast enough that the four of them can no longer get in this car. So he's going, all right, um, here's the cars I've driven – Insert Excel spreadsheet of 250 cars. I scrolled through um, it and immediately regretted it. Neil, this is <laughs> this is amazing. But talk I, about daunting. <laughs> talk about daunting. But I the spreadsheet was not all way. the cars that he drove. You realize that it was just he he has looked at some of these, and I believe he's driven a lot of these here. But the spreadsheet was just, I think, a brain dump of what could I get yeah. because my family's so yeah. tall. And he's thinking yeah. about two different things, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast here. Insanity. Yeah. It was either upsize from his current 24, 2014 Ford Focus ST. By the way, everybody, yep. Neil is selling yep. his Focus ST. So if you want to buy an ST, <laughs> contact yeah, Neil because exactly. he's going to be now selling becoming, it soon. We're becoming the perfect middle man for <laughs> – hey, you, you want to get rid of a Ford Focus ST? Seriously. Who one? If you're yeah, looking exactly. for a used that's one, that's... I'm sure Neil will give mm-hmm. you a great deal and you tell him you found it on there the Everyday Driver podcast. So he's got to get rid funny. of that. I love that. And then uh, the other thought is get his uh, – I love how you just <laughs> – Neil, I love this. Just get uh, your daily dose of beige. Get the beige car uh-huh. for your daily driver and then get a weekend car. So his budget here is about twenty grand for the daily driver and seven to ten for the weekend or combine mm-hmm. that all together for one larger for 30. family. Yeah, for around 30, yep. Fits everybody. Still fun, still commute-worthy, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. all-in-one. And, and I'm – I'm kind of waffling back and forth between between doing this just because of, you know, extra space for a second car and sure. yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. all those kinds of things. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I can see the debate that Neil's having here about do I do the one car or two. One of the pieces of this puzzle that's missing, though, Neil, is does your wife have a car? What does she drive? Right, because, right. Because, you know, th- that's not included in here. I'm starting to actually wonder if, if they don't have another car, and that's where this discussion comes from, because there's no mention of his wife having a car or what she drives. I mean, theoretically, you would hope that she would have something that we could default as, the okay, here's the family car, and now we get you something fun. But this seems to be a, I have to solve this problem. I have to carry all four of us around. And so I'm very much of the demeanor where I just go, you can't go beige. 
I, you know, he talks mm-hmm. about he drives mm-hmm. Canyon Roads re- regularly. He gets he goes down places of PCH. So he's not just seeking out fun drives on the weekend. It sounds like he gets into places that are decent drives just regularly, and he's like this focus. So I'm very much of the mind. I hate for you to have a car that you just don't like most of the time, and you're hoping to get yeah. into the other one occasionally. I want to get you into a car you just like, even if it's not the greatest thing ever. It's you just like it. I'm very much uh, of the of the demeanor of all right, Neil. Let's get you one car. That doesn't mean this is an easy request, by the way, because he said he would like. Well, first off, space. Rear-wheel drive or rear, rear-biased all-wheel drive and manual transmission with a budget of thirty grand. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't pass on this, can I? I can't go. No, I'm going to pass <laughs> on this one. I have to come up with something, which is going to be. A you got to come up with something. I, I think the main question that concerns me is, I'm wondering if Neil's wife can dunk. I mean, they have a three-year-old that's almost four feet tall. Your seven-year-old yeah, exactly. is closing in on five feet, and his four-year-old isn't far behind. Holy moly! I mean, yeah. I just. That's quite a family. I mean, does she drive a yeah. Ford Transit or maybe I don't know. Just joking, yeah. Neil. Um, I, I think it's great, and I, I like that you're considering this. And so far, you're looking at things like the Chevy SS. I mean, those things mm-hmm. I, I'm sure enter your mind too. The Charger RT, that blacktop yeah, yeah, edition yeah. we drove, the Chevy SS, which we've talked about a lot on on uh, well, yeah, on camera as well as uh, on the podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of sedans and coupes and. You know, in the Acura range, the Volvo, the Infinities, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's driven, he's driven lots of stuff, and he's pretty much concluded that anything that is a coupe, be that the Infiniti sedans or the, you know, the M235 or a lot of these cars that are coupes that we like, that are, you know, coupe sedan kind of merges to some degree as far as interior space is concerned, none of them are big enough for mm-hmm. his family. Mm-hmm. So we are in full-size sedans here. And he's hoping to not go too old either. I mean, he doesn't really want to go much past about 2013 if he can help it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we keep further and further tightening the screw here. I have I have three. I That's have three a lot. I'll come up with. That's great, yeah, actually. I, 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 I don't know if, if these work. I mean, here's the thing. You've said your upper budget is 30. Uh, it's us, so we're going to push that even further. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but but here's, here's the big thing, and I, and I want to – this is my overall comment because you've made a list of cars that you've considered, which is about ten, and they're all kinds of things. I mean, you've got the Acura TL on here, which you didn't, you thought it was okay to drive, but you didn't really like the interior. You've talked about the Lexus RC, but coupes are out. The three thirty-five, but you didn't, you didn't like the one you, ones you could find. I mean, you've taken all kinds of things out, but the first thing on your list that gets referenced two more times on your list is the Chevy SS. You mention it right up front, and you say it's out of my budget. Then you, later you talk about the Cadillac ATS. Didn't feel like it was worth the price premium over the SS. A couple other things it references again. I My first question to you, Neil, is how soon do you need this car? Because mm. I actually feel like you are the perfect candidate for a Chevy SS. And I, I looked. I looked. For low 30s, you can find options nationwide right now of a Chevy SS, but they're all very first year, which means they aren't a manual transmission. So what I'm wondering is, six months from now, okay, when the next model year of the SS comes out, assuming that they continue with a new model year, but, you know, September, October-ish of this year, okay, 
I wouldn't be surprised if you could find yourself a used manual SS for between for the low 30s is what I'm saying. Because again, the ones that are listed new right now at 40, people are getting those for 38 or so. So these are not cars that people are running onto lots to buy. So there's a lot of negotiation room here. And I feel like it's the right size. It's a full-size sedan. You can get it manual. There are very few sedans that are going to feel better to drive than that at that scale. I think you're a perfect candidate for that. I've got two other ideas, but I, I really wonder if you can wait or if you can add a couple grand. I think that's the sweet spot. Hmm. I just looked up a 2014 SS, 76,000 miles here, and it's 20... 28 almost 29,000 here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that yeah but that obviously it's higher be... mileage and it's going to be it's going to be the auto cuz it's first gen yeah it's a and you know the shiftable automatic the manual is mm -hmm. out there but it's just the used prices haven't come down enough yet and i do think in 6 months or so you may be able to have a very serious conversation taking that off the table i still have two others though um, yeah, I, I like your suggestion. I mean, if you could go up, Neil, in your budget to just get into an SS that's the six-speed, I'm with Todd here. I like that a lot, but I think waiting six months, I, I'm kind of guessing that's sort of off the table because Who six knows? months is Who a knows? long time for waiting and still trying to struggle along. And, you know, if you need to change your lifestyle and change your car, you're pretty much – you're thinking about. You're doing thinking all three of his boys are going to be six feet tall by then. Maybe that they might just the might. I mean, what are you feeding yeah. those kids? Um, Seriously, yeah. But that aside, I mean, if you've got a requirement, you've got a requirement. You've got to, you know, get after it and get it done. And I understand that. Um, I I went a different direction, but the the requirement here of a 2013 model year, it kind of threw me because I'm going back uh -huh. a little bit further in European cars to be able to get. You know, to be able to match the price point. You know what I mean? Okay, where'd you go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you went European, which doesn't shock me, but where'd you go? Well, interestingly enough, Todd and I just shot the Audi S4 and Audi RS4 this uh -huh. this weekend. So we just had this shoot. And yeah. what I like here, Neil, that you were saying is that, yes, it has to fit you. It's got to be comfortable for you. And we're all six mm -hmm. foot three. Mm -hmm. We were comfortable in those cars. Um, they're just... The, the S4 that we drove was a 2011, I believe. And I found a 2011 on here, an S4 Premium Plus for right about 30. And it's got to fit Neil, but he said, you know, the rest of the car doesn't have to be huge, but enough to fit his, you know, fit yeah. some of his family. Passenger yeah. space isn't as big of a deal. And so I thought, what about the S4 that we just drove? You like the RS4. I liked it too. I mean... I'm, that's maybe a little bit too old, but that that S4 from well, 2011 I mean, was pretty. Yeah, interesting. I wondered. I wondered actually because of the the scale we're talking about. I actually wondered about the S6, and I looked those up. And to get into this price range, you've got to get uh, you've got to get you into to about 2011 back. or so, which is yeah. which is older, yeah. and you're going to be more miles. So that is the question there. But I think the other issue about these S cars the is the availability one. of manual. Just trying to find one that is in your budget and is also manual because there's just not very many out there. Right, um, right. I do I do agree with that. I think the S line from Audi would be interesting and I think the S6 would be a better match for scale, but we are we're having a conundrum here for the conversions of price and budget and manual. Those I don't think so. I, I think an S4 would fit fine because he said passenger space not a big deal, but it just has to fit him. 
I mean, yeah, the bigger car would be yeah. nice, but I still think the S4 is. I don't think it's off the table. Well, but he's saying he's saying the passenger space isn't as big a deal if he has a weekend car. If this is if this is the primary car for the family, I think the the passenger space is kind of a paramount thing. He's talking about Possibly. that's why he's getting out of the focus. I, I I don't know. I think I had to stay big here because I think that's the the running trend. Yeah. Um, because he's taken out so many of these coupes and stuff as just not big enough. I just keep going, well, that one's out, and that one's out, and that one's out. you know. Um, but I, another one on the older category, because he said he doesn't want anything more than like 2011, 2013, something like that. I do have to bring up, have you thought about a Pontiac G8? Now, we're 08 by this point. We're, we're significantly older now, and I will acknowledge yeah, that. And yeah. That is the place where that just spins off of the recommendation. But we are talking about the Chevy SS for half price, so you know that that is that is the part of me that if you wanted to go, if you wanted to go two cars, I almost now wonder about what about twenty k for an older Could you find one Chevy SS, and then probably the V six, the V six in manual. Yes, you could pull that off. Let's the the nice uh, the nice V eight. I doubt it. So maybe if you went two cars, you could do a twenty grand. Uh, Pontiac G8, not hate yourself. Actually, enjoy that car, and then spend ten grand on a fun car. But I, I you know, we are going older. That's the weird part there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna type that in here and see if I can find one. G8. While you're doing that, I'm gonna give my last recommendation because I had three, and they ended up all being GM product, and that wasn't intended, but it just happened that way. You've brought up some of the Cadillacs here, and you brought up the Chevy SS, and that made me think. Wait a minute. What about a last gen, a used CTS-V sedan? You can find them in manual. Yeah, They've got yeah. that great V8. You know, I mean, think about the wagon review that we had. You're going to be very hard-pressed to find the wagon in six-speed manual. That is an absolute unicorn of a car. But the sedan version in a manual, why not? You know, I mean, and, and, I, and I think if you go a little bit older, you, you get – it's before the Q system, which is something seems like everybody doesn't like in the Cadillacs. That's a nice interior. It's a ha- car that handles much better than you think it will. Um, and so you're getting your Cadillac, your actually well-tuned Cadillac, for far less than you think. You could do that for this kind of money. Used CTSV, I looked them up. They're available. I think hmm. that's an option too. Hmm. I'm finding some G8s here. I'm finding the GT with the V8. I'm finding a lot of them, as a matter of fact. There's there's a lot that are higher mileage, you know, 70,000, 80,000 yeah. here. There's one that's an unfortunately an automatic, but it's only got 16,000 miles. I mean, for mm-hmm. 22 grand. I mean, that that could be if you if you look hard, Neil, that could be an option. Now, having never driven that car and thinking it's an SS kind of you know, half price SS, I don't know about the handling. I don't know if that's going to flip your lid and, you know, do everything that you want it to, but at that price range, you can still get the weekend fun car for twenty grand. Well, and I, and I don't and fun. I don't think you've I don't think you've bought beige either. That's the key thing. I don't want you to buy beige, Neil. Don't do that. So the Pontiac G8, I think you're still going to enjoy the dynamics and the personality of it, and you would still wind up. I mean, if you're going to go two cars, that really is my recommendation. It's the G8. You've gone older and go with something else like, and we should have to do older too. That's the thing. If you're going to do the two car thing. The 2013 or so or newer requirement probably has to go out the window. I hate to say that yeah. because to get a $10,000 fun car, you're not going to be getting anything decent that's going to be new. You're going to have to be in older Miatas, older S2000s, older Boxsters. That's that ten grand range, but you're not, you're, you're not new and you're not CPO by any means on those cars. 
Neil, I had uh, one last recommendation here for you, and that was um, okay. wondering how you feel about uh, like late 2000s BMW product, specifically the M3 sedan. I'm looking these up, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of coupes, but I was so attracted to that M3 sedan, like this uh, yeah. 2010 yeah, the M3 E90. here. Yep. So it's the that's the E92. It's the E90 for the sedan, E92 for the coupe. But yeah, it's the it's that uh, one we drove. Yeah. E90. Is it E92 for the coupe? I can't remember. Believe so. Believe so. so Some BMW person is sending us hate mail right now. Yeah, anyway, of course, keep going. for not actually getting it right right off the bat. Yeah. 2010 M3 sedan, because a lot of those, yeah, they came in the automatic, but they did come in that fantastic mm-hmm. manual transmission, which would drop the price. Mm-hmm. They're harder to find. Most of them had that uh, that SMG double clutch No, here. not the SMG. It's the DCT. The SMG was the prior, prior gen, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. SMG was prior. This is DCT. Which is much better. Uh, gosh, I'm looking around and just wondering what about your appetite for that because that would be yeah. the do-it-all yeah. car. That's great V8. It, it, it's, I don't know about the back seat and space. Car. I, I don't know about that, you know, but it'd be still a big, big-ish sedan and mm-hmm. loads of power, and the handling on that is really fantastic. I mean, it's really not as not as much space, not as much space as the Chevy SS, but not far behind either. You know, if I, yeah. if I had to classify yeah. them, going down in small increments in just sheer space, going down in very small increments, it would be the uh, the Dodge Charger at the top as just loads of space, the SS uh, slightly less than that, and then that, that M3 slightly less again. But this is fractional. I think if you could find that M3, that's a great recommendation. You could find that M3 in sedan form. That V8 has got a great personality. If you could find one that checks all the boxes, that's going to be the hard thing because it's going to be, does it match budget? Can, does it have <laughs> yeah. enough rear seat room? Is it manual? I mean, there's a lot of variables here, but I do think that's a good recommendation. I I'm absolutely just yeah. Most of them on here are the, um, the double clutch transmission that DCT. So I think yeah. manual will be hard to find, but you've got to drive that car because Neil, on your list here, I'm seeing BMWs, but I'm not seeing the M3, the E90 mm-hmm, series mm-hmm. M3, and you've got to have that on there at least for comparison. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, that's the thing. When we, that was the big secret for us when we first drove that car, is we kept going. Hmm, I think I might like the four door better. I mean, that was the, the right. big surprise about it. I felt right. like the four door of it embraced the dual personality of that car even more than the coupe does, because now you have this. You know, if you know what you're looking at, it's obviously an M3, but otherwise it's just kind of a somewhat unassuming but cool looking BMW sedan. And then you blew somebody's head off. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it was just. Really, really cool. And and we're a big fan of that generation. I mean, if you've seen our film Pilgrimage, we drive the E92 uh, coupe around the ring. We drove it hard with the DCT. That car holds up. That V8 is awesome. If you haven't seen Pilgrimage, we do have it. Paul's got a big stack of Blu-rays. We say it every time. He's got a big stack exactly. of Blu-rays. We've been shipping those out this week. People just this past uh, couple days have been sending us comments about they just watched it on Vimeo. A lot of people really prefer it on Vimeo. Wherever you watch it, please rate it. If you haven't watched it and you've ever thought about going to Germany, everyone is telling us this is a definitive piece that makes you feel like, oh, this is how you do it. And now I'm there. So please go watch. Please rate. We love that. Well, let's jump into Ben here in the UK. He's our second car debate. And uh, I, I like this car debate. I liked his letter here because he wrote to us as a mechanic, but also as a car guy amongst his friends. Mm-hmm. But he's got yeah. this twist. He's not just a 20 year old, 21-year-old single guy. 
he's got a family on the way. He's uh, engaged to be married. Congratulations, Ben, and a baby on the way. Yeah, that's cool. And so he's cool. he's got this thing. Is, is it sort of the head, you know, the the practical side taking precedence, or is it the heart? He's asking, what should I do? How do I merge those two together? And especially with the fact that gas in the UK, the fuel is, he said, uh, as of this this writing, dollar eighty two a liter. So far more expensive mm-hmm. than it is in the U.S. I would hope oh, that yeah. this worldwide oil glut going on, Ben, would, would hopefully affect the prices <laughs> in the U.K. I mean, surely your taxes aren't keeping it that it, high. It will. It will, but it's always going to be Ugh. many, many times more than we have. It's, nev- it's never going to come down to ridiculous prices. I mean, so, yeah, we're, I we're in that. ridiculous prices, especially here in Utah. I mean, we're, people are going, I can't believe I just paid that little. And, yeah, yeah. it's it's um, yeah. It's good, so that's why I we're getting we're getting spoiled right V8 now for Grand sure. That's Cherokee. very true. <laughs> yeah, there um, we go. So I, I like this because he he wrote in and said he can do some wrenching himself, and he's had some fun cars in the past here. This first generation MX-5 Miata, Volvo C30, hmm. and he's currently mm-hmm. got a Mazda Speed Three. First that's, gen, yeah. That's not a bad car for a family. It does have some space, a lot more than other cars, yeah, other yeah. small cars. Yeah. And so he jumps into thinking, should I get into the estates, the, the wagons that have a lot more space? Because as Todd knows, once you have a child, your life fills up with plastic. So you need It just explodes to- with random plastic things. They're all in pastel colors, <laughs> or, or at least primary colors. Stuff. Maybe not pastels, but they're just all in primary colors <laughs> say, and it's primary. plastic. And it's just, yeah, anyway, onward. Well, so I like that you're looking here, Ben, at the CUV, this Mazda CX-5 that we've recommended over and over that is great. Mm -hmm. The two-liter diesel Tiguan from Volkswagen is also good. It's, um, I mean, I don't know if you want to jump into the diesel thing right now, but I like the fact that you're looking at that size. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun-ish, but it's not going to be your Mazda Speed 3. I mean, pretty much anything moving forward just isn't. But I thought hard, and there's this car that keeps rattle around in my head. It isn't the one that we get in the U.S., and I keep seeing it a lot when I go to Germany. I see this car everywhere, and I think, that is Mm. futuristic. It's cool looking. I love it. I think it's probably pretty fun to drive. We like driving the one here in the U.S. And um, wondering where you're going. Very curious to hear where you land, because I've got one... (laughs) <laughs> that we don't get here either. That's all my recommendations. Oh, really? So keep going. He's he's got a budget of of up to up to forty thousand pounds. So he's got a decent budget to work with, and and the thing I love about this question here, honestly, Ben, is that you're essentially saying, do I just go thoughtful family car? This car makes sense, or do I hang on to anything that is the reason I love my Mazda Speed? Do I hang on to anything that is just kind of a I am a car guy and here's my nutty car? I mean, you're yeah, having a, a yeah. debate that is somewhat similar to the Neil we were just talking about. You're f- trying to figure out something for the family, but you don't want it to be beige. I mean, that's ultimately where you are. And you're asking us which way to go. I am always going to say, get yourself a car you still enjoy. I understand it has to do stuff. I get it with the kids and all. I totally understand that. But you can find something. I mean, that's the whole premise of what we do. You can find something that you actually enjoy driving. Don't just run off to the CUV range just because you think, I have a family now, and so I need a CUV. That can work, but please don't do it for that reason. Honestly, man. I'm hunting this car down just so I can get it right because okay. I, I see it everywhere. All right. Are you All ready? Right. What do you, where, where'd you go? Yeah, I'm so very curious. Looking. I'm really curious. All right, so this is the eighth-generation Honda Civic Si. It was made, hmm. I believe, until 2011. I always see this car 
Well, shoot, they even have a Type R. Huh. I don't know if you can get that in the UK. Can you get that in the UK? Yes, you can. The European Type R. Hmm. So a used I see where you went. Yeah. Civic Si because mm-hmm. it's a little bit smaller. And Ben's big big thing here is fuel, gas money. Mm-hmm. Even though he's got a pretty good budget here, I'm just wondering. I was looking up real quick Honda in the UK. I was looking up their yeah. their new Civic Si to see what that's about and what that price was. You might be able to afford a new one, but honestly. Probably, I say yeah. save a little bit of money as well and go after that SI or go drive that because it's in that mm-hmm. range of the things that he said he was looking here, the, the Volkswagen Golf or the Focus ST, but both of those are diesels. And I know that, that Europe obviously adopts diesels. If you want to build a world car, the joke is it's got to be a four-cylinder diesel with a you know, manual transmission. But yeah. that just stuff that kind of stuff doesn't sell that well in the US. It just doesn't. But in Europe certainly True. does. True. We see those everywhere. And I like that you're thinking in that range and that that's why it got me thinking in that size, that class mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. uh, of that Civic. And I see those all the time and I think, why didn't we get this version in the US? It's cool looking. It's great. Yeah. And if yeah. you could find a type R for that range, it'd be the family sedan when you drive slow with your with your new family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you can go hoon that thing. I think that would have a lot well, of power. You know, you, you've you've walked into an interesting side note here, and that is, you know, as as uh, Ben's talking through here, he's talking about essentially he likes his Mazda Speed three, but he needs something that can still haul the family, which frankly the Mazda Speed three sh- could, but is better on gas. But mm-hmm. what I think is Ben, I think you've run too far. I think you've run too far down that pathway because you've wound up at diesel versions of things and I don't know you have to go diesel my feeling is if you got a first gen Mazda Speed 3 you can go to current gen hot hatches and you will actually get significantly better gas mileage I mean I think about in the US you've got on here the Volkswagen GTD so the diesel Golf okay but why not just the GTI I mean the GTI in the US gets 30 miles to the gallon your Mazda Speed 3 on its best day ever will not get 30 miles to the gallon (laughs) <laughs> Why not get a GTI? It's still a, a genuine enthusiast car. It has really good space. Don't go diesel. I mean, for, forget the Volkswagen diesel problem for a second. I'm just talking about the car in general. That GTI is going to be such an improvement in your fuel economy. You will still hang on to your cred as a genuine car guy. You would enjoy driving that car. I don't think you've got to go as far as diesels or big big estates. Don't run off that far. I think the GTI is a real consideration here. And I have one other one. I do like your Honda Civic. Because it is, uh, we've never recommended that car because a lot of the cool ones we have not gotten. Right, um, right. But that is, but you're, but here's the why. Why you made me think of that? Because you're in the same category. Significant improvement in gas mileage just because we're newer technology, just cars that run more efficiently, and you're still in the gas. Hmm. Ooh, here's the fourth generation. Oh. The Type R. Oh, well, just if your wife doesn't like the gigantic wing on the back, just unscrew it and leave it in the garage. And you can still have a, a disguised hot car. Hey, honey, it's a little less of a hoodmobile than it was five minutes ago. I just got out the screwdriver. Let's go to the grocery store. Look at this. Ridiculous. 310 horsepower in that little thing. Huh. You know what else I thought of here, though, that I, that I have to mention another car that we don't Treat get here. This. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that I really think has got to be considered, and that is what about the Magan? 
Yeah. That Magan yeah, yeah, RS. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's in the same thing that I'm talking about, about coming out of your Mazda Speed 3 into even a GTI. That Magan is going to have a significant improvement in gas mileage than where you are right now, but it has a very similar flavor to your Mazda Speed 3. In fact, I felt like in driving it, we drove it on the ring, I felt like in driving it, it felt a lot like the Mazda Speed 3 in the best ways without the torque steer issues and was a newer car. So I think that Magan has really got to be considered. Yeah, I I, uh, I mean, of course, all the infrastructure, all the dealerships and everything for support and all that stuff is there. Renault's just haven't been sold here in the U.S., and so it's yeah. we've got to go there to yeah. drive it. But, you know, first time we sat in it and drove it, we were really flat-out impressed. And, yeah, like you said, lack of torque steer, it just moved, and it's it mm-hmm. felt so tight to me. It just felt like just about any Japanese car, to be honest. It, it felt really well-built, well-constructed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was just first impressions. So I like that you rec- recommended that too. Keep coming back to. And this. then we kept hooning it, hooning it very hard on the track, and it holds yeah, up. Yeah, it did. So I think, and, and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad for space. It's a genuinely usable hatch. I will say the GTI is a more well-rounded usable hatch than the Magan is. The GTI, sure, sure. I mean, you're almost the perfect GTI buyer because you've had a Volvo C30, you've had an MX-5, you've had a Mazda Speed 3, you now have wife and child on the way. You're going to be fine with enough space for the large car seat and you can go and drive normally and get good gas mileage and you're happy. And then when the road is fun and you're by yourself, hoon it and it's going to be great. I think I think that's a real consideration piece. Ooh, look at this. Oh, there's Uh-oh. a Type R GT model for 33,000 pounds, and it's powered by something called Earth Dreams do, Technology. What do, is that? Do, do we need to take the internet away when we do these podcasts? You you and your random websites during the podcast. Earth I, Dreams I, Technology. I, You're going to save fuel, and grass is going to grow around your wheels. And everybody's going to oh, love you. Earth and... Dreams. Earth Dreams is from yeah. the same marketing department that brought you the Faraday thinking of the future <laughs> from the future's perspective. It's yeah. the same marketing, folks. I don't know who hires them. I don't know how they get work. But Earth Dreams. Ugh. Type oh. R and unscrew the wing. That's my thought for you. The fourth gen right. Type R and be done with it. We're off and in the weeds. It's, it's the Earth Dreams technology, which is directly connected to Visa and MasterCard. And you're... <laughs> You're saving the wind farms and the, yeah, all the cute baby seals. So by driving a Type R, we're, we're here to do oh, our part. Earth dreams. <laughs> How nice the Earth dreams are. What does this mean? Okay, let's move on. So we, we posted, as always, we're trying to, uh, to get into a new section here that is a Q&A section where uh, right before we record the podcast, we put on our Facebook page only, we put, hey, have you got any questions for us? And Paul, actually, I totally forgot tonight. Paul remembered to put it up there. So thank you to those of you that have written in. In fact, our Scion discussion at the top of the podcast was inspired by these Q&A. We've got a couple others. Uh, Demi and Brian both wrote in uh, with a couple of different questions. And uh, this is, okay, these are fast, but they're fun. This is cool. Demi uh, writes in about, uh, real quick, choose the best bang for the buck in the thirty to 40,000 range. And I had to reread that because I thought it said Buick. And I went, huh? No, not a Buick. Not a Buick. Not a Buick. So thirty, forty thousand dollars fast. Go E ninety two M three, Corvette Z six from the C six generation or a nine nine seven Carrera S. What say you? Uh, Carrera S nine nine seven Carrera S. As long as you don't need back seats, but I'm guessing based on this discussion, you don't need back seats. I think that is, I think that's absolutely the best use of your money. No question. Agreed. 
Agreed. I mean, I was actually going to say M3, but that still seems a little pricey for an E92 M3, to be honest. Well, but but the thing about the M3 is the M3 is not going to be as chuckable as the Carrera. This is why I land on the 997. All three of those, Demi, are great choices. That's the thing. And it's amazing you can get all three for that money. Uh, but here's the thing. This, the Z06 is just about being a performance car. So, sure, okay, sure. If if that if you're willing to be that focused, and let's be honest, I'm kind of that guy. If you're willing to be that focused, that Z06 is it. But that's that's all that car does. The E92 is the other end of the spectrum where it's trying to be classy and a performance car. The 997 hits the sweet spot in the middle, and that's why I have to go with that. And I would add because you said best bang for the buck, the way Porsche prices are going right now, if you can get into yeah. one, just do it. Who knows when the 997 mm-hmm. prices are going to go up, but the way the rest well, of the Porsche world is going, I say, why yeah. not? Well, and you're also talking about the fact that of those three cars, that 997 Carrera probably was the one with the highest initial price, which means you've gotten the most car for your money just right. based on what the original Monroni said. Right. So, yeah, I take that completely. I take that completely. All right, so Brian also writes to us and asks if we think the hybrid sales are going to be affected with this, with this, well, the worldwide oil glut that I keep talking about, the low gas prices <laughs> and oil prices. And as a matter of fact, uh, I think we already are. Brian, I'm actually Absolutely. seeing articles. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I saw a recent mm-hmm. one by Forbes talking about uh, the Tesla Model S sales. You know, are they, are, are they sort of in for it? Are they done with it? Because – in the past few years, electric cars were all anybody could ever talk about. And it's yep. not like that technology is going away, but it's certainly with low gas prices, keeps putting it in a corner of itself. You mm-hmm. know, it's sort of like, okay, you're an Apple Watch owner. Or you're a whatever technology, insert here. You're an early yeah. adopter yeah. of that. And you drive an electric car, and that's great for that market. But the rest of us, we're going to still drive our gasoline-powered cars, and well, we but, can afford it. But, Here's the thing. If you watch, because he he also says, is this going to help SUVs? And the short answer is yes, and it already has. Because here's the crazy thing. When gas is $4 a gallon in the U.S. or up, every news outlet cannot cannot trip over themselves fast enough to (laughs) to interview somebody randomly at a gas station about, so how are you feeling about your SUV with $4 gas? But here's the weird thing that happens. There's this weird... I don't know, just this tick in American culture, and that is when it breaks that $4 mark, I mean, even when it's like three eighty, go look at the stats. Pickup sales go up. SUV sales go up. So now we've dropped down, and it's like it's running $250, $280, sometimes $2, depending upon where you're shopping in the U.S. right now, which means people just cannot buy big trucks fast enough. Yeah. And so, so what you're left with is you're left with people that, they want to buy a hybrid for a reason other than just gas mileage. That's what you're left with. People that believe they're saving the planet or I always wanted a hybrid or I like, in the case of the Tesla, I like what the Tesla is. I like the ludicrous speed. I want the constant torque. These start to become the reasons people are buying those. And the truth is that is a very small niche market. And the mass market goes, well, I've always wanted the F-150 with more with enough towing power to tow my house. I don't need that. But if I need to tow my house down the block some random point, I want to say that I've, I have the ability. I mean, that's, that's what happens. Look at, the, look at the stats in American car buying. Anytime gas drops a little bit, and it's that $4 figure that is the yeah, magic, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't believe how expensive gas is. It drops down from that, and people go, oh, it's time to buy a truck. I mean, that's what happens. Pretty much. I hate to say Seriously. it. I hate to say it. I, I maintain that the combination of a pickup truck 
with electric powertrain would be the sweet spot that would knock everybody for a loop. If they came out with that, a Faraday or Tesla or somebody did that, because that is the, the what we're talking about. That is the intersection of pickup truck uh-huh. and I need that ability that you talked about versus electric, low emissions, don't buy gasoline anymore. It is and crazy that torque. And, and crazy, crazy torque. torque. And if it and has a good range, all-wheel drive, off-road capability, towing, towing power, that is yeah, the intersection. Yeah. People will not know what to do, and they'd really give it a serious look. I bet well, you. You said it already. This technology is not going away. It's getting worked into every lineup out there. It's going to continue, but I don't think it, it's not being sought after right now unless you are an, that, that extreme niche buyer that only wants to buy that. When, when you've got $4 a gallon gas, people are buying it because they feel like they should. But below that, people are buying it because they want to, which is, let's be honest, that's the reason most of us buy cars. But yeah. I, I do think, you know, and, and the other thing that's funny is you have a lot of bait, bait and switch going on on miles per gallon. You've got like the, the Ford F-150, you know, has now got the EcoBoost. So, hey, we're a turbo. It's got the V6. But the truth is, during the EPA cycle, that that uh, V6 gets better gas mileage than the equivalent V8. They're selling the V6s with the aluminum bodies as fast as they can make them. But here's the funny thing. When you drive it normally, guess what? It gets V8 gas mileage. I mean, so <laughs> right. it's, there, there's all kinds of bait and switch that's going on. I am all for more efficient cars. I'm all for it. But I am not a person that says we must go hybrid. And right now, the market in general isn't buying them because gas is cheap. So in the meantime, I'm going to go floor my Jeep Grand Cherokee 5.7 liter V8 away from the stoplight and uh, watch the needle move. It's a fun game. Just I just want to like to watch the needle tick like a clock. And um, I'm going to go occupy myself doing that anyway. Uh, like that like that GTS that we drove on the Autobahn in Pilgrimage. I mean, there is that section when you've got it flat out and we're doing well over 150 with four guys yeah. and gear in a Cayenne blazing our way westbound across Germany. And you're commenting about the fact that, oh, we had three quarters of a tank of gas was, last time I looked, which I was, was moments marveling. ago, and now we've got a half. Yeah, like, just flying well, through look gas. How but that anyway, work. that is just something yeah. else. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm that for the clock for a second. Anyway, yeah, I'm for fuel efficient vehicles too. I really am. It's just the American public and the American market just it can support what we do just because of the low gas prices. So people do. Yeah, and uh, I admit to that. Um, it's a great ski truck, though. But th- thank you, thank you guys for writing these uh, these little Q and A questions, the little a- add-ons to uh, the larger car debate. Thank you for listening to the car debate. As we mentioned before, please rate if you haven't yet. Please pass it on to somebody else you know that likes cars. If you haven't shared it yet, we're getting more and more emails about people that listen to this on their commute. Thank you, people that are listening. You know, commuting on the subway or I have a long drive. Uh, we've got people that are writing and going, "Just found you. I'm on episode 20. I'm listening to all of them. Yeah, wow, this is cool. what an undertaking! Because we're 80 episodes in now. Thank." <laughs> Thank you for joining us but please tell somebody else and we are still doing video guess what that's why we we exist primarily and we are still doing that we do that on thursdays we actually will not have a piece this thursday because after <clears throat> far too long we're updating our website so that is our big launch this thursday and uh, lots of videos coming up soon including that four generations of miata piece that's a little more than a week out now fantastic i can't wait i can't wait to share that with everybody we've got a lot of cool stuff plan just in february mm-hmm. alone we haven't even booked anything yeah, for got, march you realize that we're shooting almost every weekend in february and they're all big yeah it's great this is gonna be awesome well thank you guys really really appreciate uh, all your uh, writing in and um i kind of feel like you're trying to stump us now so 
keep it coming. Yeah. This is great. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.